Today's reading is Revelation 22, verses 6 to 21. That can be found on page 1250. That's page 1250. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God, who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written on this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing, me, showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all, with all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates to this, into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, immoral, immoral the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes takes the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plague described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the Holy Spirit, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Hey, thank you, Michelle, very much indeed for reading that. My name is Jeremy. It's great to be here. It is good to be here, isn't it? As, as a as a group of God's people gathering together on a Sunday afternoon. I know there are other things that you could be doing, uh, but this is what we do uniquely, isn't it? We gather around God's word. We sing to him, we pray to him, and we rejoice in the fellowship that God's word brings. We're going to pray as we look at the last book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible this afternoon, looking right at the end of Revelation chapter 22. Uh, and just as you turn that up, page 1,250, I'm going to pray so please join me in prayer if you'd like to. Let's pray. Just a, a verse from Jeremiah. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Uh, Father God, I pray that uh, wherever we're coming from this afternoon, whoever we are, however we're feeling, I pray that we would internalize your words. Um, by your mercy, by your grace. I, I pray that they would be our, our joy 
uh, and our heart's delight that they would genuinely uh, lift our heart as, as, as we hear from you, knowing that we bear your name if we're Christian people. Please speak to us and, and please can these words bring about permanent change in our lives by your Spirit's work. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I wonder when the last time was that you were genuinely afraid. I mean, you'll know what it feels like, the sort of sweaty palms, the, the beating heart, your head's in a spin. Um, when was the last time you felt properly full of fear? Um, fear of failure, um, fear of social situations, fear of everything going wrong. Um, whatever it was for you. The thing is that from an early age, um, I think this is true, certainly in, in a British culture this is true, we're sort of taught to hide our fear. So we're, we're taught to put on a brave face. And that's particularly true for me as a, um, as a doctor. You, you're told to project confidence. It'll be good for the patient. Um, you walk into the operating room and, um, and, and you're, you're taking charge. Inside, you would terrify that everything's going to go wrong. Um, you, you can't remember exactly how it all works. But, but you're, you're taught to project confidence. Um, and so we put on this calm exterior. I'm sorry, if anyone's waiting for an operation, um, <clears throat> that wasn't meant to, to undermine your confidence in the, in the surgeon. I'm sure they're, sure they're excellent. Um, but, but we're sort of told to put on this calm exterior. Do you know what I mean? At least till the cracks start to show. We're told to project confidence, walking into the meeting, into the classroom, or onto the hospital ward at the start of a long summer holiday where you, you're looking after your kids. You say, come on, kids, we're going to have a great time. Although inside, you might not be quite so sure. But the, the problem with projecting confidence is it doesn't really deal with the fear inside, does it? it um, in the end, it's just pretending. It's just acting. Which is why we need something like the book of Revelation, which is actually going to deal with the fear inside our hearts. Uh, that's the message of the book, the fear on the inside. Not, not just... Um, being afraid when the, when the fears come, uh, but, but remembering that Jesus is the one, chapter one, Jesus is the one with eyes like blazing fire, remember, and with a face shining like the sun in all of his brilliance. And he, and he walks among the churches and he says, do not be afraid. That's his message. Do not be afraid. He deals with the problem itself, you see. He deals with our fearful hearts. He is the, he's the fear killer. Jesus Christ. And, and it's this Jesus who says he's going to return. Um, in fact, he says it three times. Did you notice that when Michelle was reading it out? Have a look down at verse 7. Um, look, I am coming soon. The words of Jesus sort of break in. Verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. And then verse 20, right down at the bottom, almost the closing words. He who testifies to these things says... Yes, I am coming soon. Soon, not immediately, you notice. In, in the original language, there's another word for immediately. Um, Jesus says he's coming at the right time. He's coming at, at the appropriate moment. So Jesus is coming soon. And, and as John writes this final chapter of the Bible, there are three massive consequences of that, that, that the Apostle John, indeed the God who wrote the Bible, wants to be ringing in our ears. Three fear killers that we can take with us into the summer. 
So let's look at those briefly. The first one's this. You'll see it up on the screen. Jesus is coming soon, so keep living by the message of this book. Jesus is coming soon, so keep living by the message of this book. And the key verse, really, I think, is, is verse 7, where Jesus says, Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Keep living by the message of this book. Keep living by it. Um, remember it and, and put it into practice. I, I don't know whether you ever think this. Um, you ever think how many sermons you've heard in your lifetime? Um, I mean, a rough calculation for me, about one and a half thousand. I've, I've preached about half of them. Um, and then you think, you know, how come I don't how come I don't know my Bible better than I do? How come my life still looks the way that it does? Have you ever thought that? Um, I mean, we don't need to get depressed about it. We're under grace. Praise, praise God, you know. Um, we're, we're loved by the Lord, but we want to keep living by the message of this book. We want to keep rereading it, internalizing it, practicing it, thinking it through. Because it's a trustworthy and a true message. You can see that in verse 1. Um, <clears throat> sorry, in, in, in verse 6, the first verse that we looked at from chapter 22, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent, the, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Trustworthy and true. How often do you, and, you know, in, in a world of fake news, who do you really trust? Um, BBC, um, Metro. It, this is—I mean, it sounds crazy—but the Book of Revelation gives you the inside track on what is really most true about you and about the world in which in which you're living in the period of history in which you're living. This is the inside track. This book is true on telling you and me what to expect out of life. You know, sometimes it will, in, it will include, we're told in Revelation, sword, famine, plague, and persecution. It's not, it's not going to be a comfortable ride the whole way. This book is true in telling us who's running the show. You know, that God is ultimately in charge, that he made this world. It belongs to him. And, and he is the one who controls history. This book is, is true about future judgment. It's true about present forgiveness. Um, it's true about this great multitude that God's getting ready for heaven in, in the local church. It's true about the mission of the church, what it is that we're, that we're here to do. It's true about this great battle that's raging in heaven. It is all true, and it will bring you blessing. You see that in verse 7? Verse 7, picking up on chapter 1, blessed, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. This is the way to find blessing. That's true. Not just that, but it's a sort of open message. So if, let me show you what I mean in verse 10. So the angel says to John, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. He's saying, keep this prophecy open because you're going to need it. And that's different from um, 
Daniel. Daniel was someone who lived sort of seven year, 700 years before the book of Revelation. And uh, he and his friends were in exile. We, we had a look at that earlier on in the year in our small groups. And in chapter 8, you might remember, Daniel was told this. Seal up the vision. So he's been given a vision, and he's told to seal it up because it concerns the distant future. He says, Daniel, okay, you can seal that up, put it to one side. There'll be a time to get that out again. But John is told, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. See, you're going to need that. It's, it's, like, um, it's like the ironing board in our family. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you have an ironing policy um, in your family. Um, we, our policy, you, you might share it with us, is a need-to-wear policy. So um, you iron something when you need to wear it and not before. I mean, why, you know, you might never put it on. Why, why commit that time to ironing that shirt before you need to wear it? Anyone else have that? Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, Justin, <laughs> I, know that's, I know that's your policy, yep. Um, so if it's a long time until we're going to be going out, we'll put the iron away, we'll put the ironing board away, we don't need that. Uh, but if, it, if it's a short time until we go out, then the ironing board stays out because we're going to need it, you see. Um, and, and with Daniel, you know, he can put away the scroll. It's still a long, long time to go. But John, keep out the scroll because you're going to need this second by second to help you navigate your life. Um, you, you, you're going to need keep, keep the words of this scroll, keep the words of the Bible on, on your phone, on your laptop, by the side of your bed. Don't put them away for a second, John's saying, when you're deciding about your next job or about your next relationship or, or your big time commitments, those big decisions you're going to make in life. Don't put it aside for one second. Don't seal it up because you're going to need it to make those decisions. You can't make a good decision with your Bible closed. That's the point. You're going to need those words to help you find blessing in a hostile world. That's what John's saying. Keep living by the message of this book. Um, because, because you're not alone. That, that's um, the point he makes in verses 8 and 9. Can you see that? Verses 8 and 9. Let me read that out. I, John, um, that's the Apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feast of the angel who had been shown them to me. But he said, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. And it's a fascinating picture that we get in those two verses because um, John wants to worship the angel. The angel says, no way, John. I'm, verse 9, I'm a fellow servant like you. Um, and, and like your fellow prophets, they're the ones who, who wrote the Bible. And with all who keep the words of this scroll, that's you and me. We're, we're worshippers together. That's the point. We're not in this on, on our own. And we're, we're there together with the angels and, and together with the disciple that Jesus loved and, and together with the Bible writers, together with all these 
billions, literally billions of people all across the world who this Sunday have been meeting in little churches in every square mile of, of the world that, that God's made. This whole sweep of church services happening over this 24 hours. Together with them, we're not on our own. All who want to keep the words of the scroll. That's who we are. And, and that's why we don't want to see this down in verses 18 and 19, why we don't want to add or, or take anything away from the Bible. Um, you see those verses? This is a severe warning. Uh, let me tell you um, that superficially it's going to be such a tempting thing to just start crossing out bits of the Bible. Maybe not at this stage in your life, but maybe further down the line. Um, the bits we don't like. It is so tempting to, to, to start either sort of literally or, or functionally just start, start to ignore some bits of the Bible. That's one reason why, by the way, we, we like to just work through the Bible sequentially because then we have to deal with the bits that we don't like as well as the bits that we do. Sometimes it, it just feels like, it feels like it's going to be a relief to say that you don't have to believe in judgment or that you don't have to believe that sex stays with the marriage or whatever part of the Bible we find a bit uncomfortable but that is not allowing God to be God you see that's, 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 that's taking away from this scroll of prophecy we're not to do that of course every culture around the world wants to take out a different bit of the Bible uh, when I was in Uganda then um, people found it very hard to preach on John's gospel because Jesus turns water into wine and uh, it's a very strong anti-drinking culture in Uganda. And so we found when we preached on, on John's gospel that no one had preached on it for decades. Strange, isn't it? We're not allowing God to be God. We want to worship God together with all who keep the words of, of the scroll. That's what unites us in the end, yeah, with the angels and with the Bible writers and with Christians across the world. Now, the Bible's not always easy, and, and it's going to challenge us um, but it is trustworthy and true. And God says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll, all the words, without adding or taking away. Jesus is coming soon, so keep living by the message of this book. And you know what, what it will remind you as you read this book, what it will tell you time and time again, it'll... It'll ask you to make sure that your, your robes have been washed. <laughs> Use the words of Revelation. Jesus is coming soon, so make sure your robes are washed. Um, that's a sort of metaphor that Revelation uses. And it comes in verse 14. Have a look at that. This is the key verse. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city, that, that glorious city. We're all city dwellers. Uh, we've chosen that. Um, but this is a city we will want to dwell in, the heavenly city, the, the, the new Jerusalem. Well, wash your robes. That's a reference back to Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 14. It's talking about the church in heaven wearing white robes. And then the, the question is, who are they? And John answers in verse 14, 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, that, that is a really weird picture. I'm, I'm the first to, to admit that. But it's as if, we said this last week, if, if you're around, it's as if there's something called blood powder. Okay, so it's, it's a very strange idea um, that you could put in your washing machine and it would make everything perfectly white. That would be a strange thing, wouldn't it? Only here, it's, it's not talking about putting a washing in, in the machine. It's, it's, it's talking about the blood of Jesus, the blood that ran down the cross, his actual blood that paid for our sins when he died in our place. He's talking about that blood. And, and, and the white clothes that it's talking about are this perfect life that, that, that can be counted as ours when we become a Christian, that is counted as ours when we become a Christian. Not a, um, a, not a sort of invisibility cloak, but a sort of innocence cloak. We take on his innocence, and, 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 and the book of Revelation is saying, please make sure you've asked for that. Please make sure. Because there's, there's this great division coming uh, where people are going to be divided into two groups, um, chapter 19 told us about that. Majish took us through that chapter. And while we might think, and, and this is a sort of common idea in our culture, we think, well, everyone will get, in, everyone will get into heaven in the end. Um, um, I'll sort of cut a deal. I'll blag my way. Um, it'll be fine. The Bible says that everyone's going to be inseparably divided into two groups. And the two groups will be those who wash who asked Jesus to wash their clothes and, and those who didn't. Um, and, and, and just like sort of turning up to a posh club um, in, your, in your filthy sports kit or, 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 or trying to walk into an operating theatre dressed in your T-shirt and shorts, sometimes it's just a no. And, and there's a danger that if we haven't asked Jesus for this, that, that we won't be allowed into heaven. Make sure your clothes are washed um, by, the, by the Alpha and Omega. That's what Jesus called in verse 13. Um, he's the beginning of everything and the end of everything. Um, History has a direction. It's not just going round and round like sitting on a train on the circle line. You know, it's, history is going, is going somewhere, has a beginning and an end, and, and, and Jesus is both of those things. He's the root and the offspring of David. He's the bright morning star, verse 16. You, you find your identity by recognizing his identity. Yeah, you accept that Jesus is the origin and the destination of the universe and, and 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 if you haven't yet worked him out that is where you're going to have to start with the person of Jesus um, ask a friend come along to your course in the autumn you, you're going to have to start with him like like the, he's called the morning star which is the planet Venus uh, that comes up very early in the morning quite often and um, it's very bright in the in the sky um, and, and and you're going to have to look to Jesus to give you direction. And that's the invitation, and it comes in verse 17. Did you see that? Verse 17, there are two different timescales at work. 
in verse 17, um, the Spirit and the bride say, come. In other words, the, the Holy Spirit and the church are saying, Lord Jesus, please come soon. And then um, let the one who hears say, come. In other words, anyone who's, who's understood these words of prophecy is going to want to say, Jesus, please come soon. Um, that's all talking about Jesus coming in the future. But then there's a different time scale at the end of the verse. Let the one who is thirsty come, i.e. come right now. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Right now. God is making you an incredible invitation. And, and, and it is genuine. Um, I was reading the other day about um, a preacher who was quite famous uh, a couple of hundred years ago in London, a guy called Charles Spurgeon. Um, but the way that he became a Christian was really extraordinary. So he was in, um, I think it was Colchester, and there was a massive snowstorm, and he couldn't really get very far. So he, he ended up going into a little church he'd never been in before. Um, and there were maybe 12 people there, and the preacher hadn't, even the preacher hadn't been able to make it to church. So they just sort of, everyone nudged each other, and, and in the end, some guy got up. He'd never preached before. Um, and he sort of took the text from Isaiah 47, which is where God says, come to me, and, and like, look to me. And, and this guy just kept on saying, I mean, he, he didn't really know how to preach, and he just kept on saying, come to Jesus and live. Look to Jesus and live. Like, come to, look to Jesus um, and then he, he looked at Spurgeon, who knew his Bible very well, and he, and he said to him, he, I, I won't do this, I promise, I will never do this at Trinity, but he, he looked straight at Spurgeon and he said, you young man look very miserable. <laughs> um, he sort of singled him out, Spurgeon was a little bit hurt, hurt by that, <clears throat> and then he said, young man, look to Jesus Christ, look, look, look. Whoa. Um, but he thought, he thought, actually, have I looked to Jesus? And that was the moment that, that he became a Christian. Extraordinary. Please make sure that your robes are washed. It is a decision that you have to make. It's a question you need to ask of Jesus. It doesn't happen automatically. It's not a passive thing. Please make sure you've asked Jesus to make you clean. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything begins and ends with him. Everything. He's the root and offspring of David. He's this great rescuer king. And he says, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift. You don't, it's free of charge, but a, a great cost to him. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. You've nothing to lose and everything to gain. He's coming soon. Look to him. And how, how do we know that he's going to hear us? Well, because he's just full of grace. That, that's the third point. Very briefly, um, he's coming soon, so rely on his grace. The sort of kindness that you don't deserve, but he's going to give you anyway. Rely on his grace. You know, the book of Revelation began by mentioning grace, and, and it's going to end the same way. That's not a mistake. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, 
Yes, I am coming soon. Amen, says John. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. You can rely on his grace. You can come any day. Um, I remember I said, years and years ago, um, I listened to a sermon by, I, I was in a church and there was a, a guy, elderly guy, and he said he'd been to Italy and he'd been walking around, I can't remember which city it was in, in Italy, and there was a gardener working away on this beautiful ornamental garden. And he got chatting with this guy sort of over the hedge. And, um, and, and the gardener said that the owner of the house was away, but that the owner would sometimes turn up at short notice. Uh, and the man said, uh, the, the preacher guy said, oh, you must have to be prepared for the fact that the owner's going to come back tomorrow. And the gardener said, no, I have to be prepared for the fact the owner might come back today. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming with incredible grace. But we need to be ready. We need to be ready. And and, and the book of Revelation, do you remember remember how it all sort of worked through? We have this incredible picture of Jesus in all of his glory in chapter 1. And then then we have those seven letters. And then we have chapters 4 and 5, this picture of the throne room, God in all of his brilliance. And then we have the seven seals and the trumpets and the unnumbered signs and the bowls, all of which describe this period of history between Jesus' resurrection and, and his return. And then we have the fall of Babylon and we have the final victory and, and the new creation. You know, all that's going to happen. And we've been told to persevere, to keep going. But it's okay, God's in, God's in charge. He's going to bring everything to an end. We're safe. But we've got to keep going, knowing, knowing that we're going to be persecuted, knowing that wrong teaching is going to come, knowing that we're going to be so tempted to sort of enjoy all this sort of superficial enjoyment of, of, of Babylon, this sort of city that sets itself up against God. It looks so much fun. And we're going to have to be committed to repentance. And we're going to have to understand our mission as a church and, and, and we're going to know that our, our prayers are heard in heaven like the bowls of incense. Gemma going up for God. But inside, if you're anything like me, you're afraid. You're afraid. How are we going to make it? But this is the fear killer, you see. This is the fear killer. Knowing that we have the word of the prophecy of Jesus Christ by our side. When We've got something to, to hold on to when the anxiety starts. We've got something to read to reassure us. See, we, we, we've, we've got it there in the middle of the night. You know, when you wake up, like I do sometimes, and I, you know, and I, I, and I wonder how things are going to go, and all the fears sort of come crowding in. You know, I can, I can open my Bible, and I can read it, and it reassures me. I have the words of the prophecy of this book. And, and we can know that we're wearing the robes that have been washed by the blood of Jesus. You know, we're, we're, we don't need to get stressed about the things that, that, that we've done wrong. We don't need to be haunted by the past. We don't, we don't need to let Satan say to us, well, you, you did it before, so you might as well do it again. 
because we're wearing this innocence cloak. We're now clothed with the, with the perfection of Jesus. So Satan's got nothing on us. We can tell ourselves that, and it kills our fears. And, and then we can know that we're under the grace of Jesus. This undeserved kindness of, of Jesus Christ is ours, and he's never going to condemn us, and his strength is there to help us. And so we're safe. Jesus is coming back. Do not be afraid. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for being so honest with us about the <coughs> difficult times we're going to face. Uh, some of the struggles that we'll have, some of the temptations, some of the fears we're going to be up against, we feel on the inside. Uh, but we know that you're in control of history, that Jesus Christ has incredible glory, um, that we're being called out of Babylon, we're not to belong there, uh, that we have a mission as a church to reach a dying world, and that we're washed uh, by the blood of Jesus. We, we're innocent. Um, because his innocence has become ours. And so I, I pray, Father God, that, that would strengthen us, and I pray it would kill our fears, and pray that even when things get hard, as, as we know they will, in a difficult world that, that where Satan is, is, is angry and, and he's trying to get at your people, I pray we'll have courage, and I pray that we'll have comfort. I pray, most of all, Father, that we won't be afraid because we know that Jesus is walking among his churches and that his grace is ours. Please remind us of these things um, today and, and, and in the summer and in the years to come. And we ask in your name. Amen.